this is class five of all of the human intellect, the book we're covering. Um, I reckon there'll be another five or six more classes before we get to the end. We're on chapter four at the moment, and we, yeah, we have, we've already discussed the qualities of the mind and how they can become an obstacle in our life to reach our goal. Everyone got chapter four? So, so we discussed the qualities of the mind. We all have discussed that quite thoroughly. We're now talking about the intellect. We have to use our intellect to control our mind. This is what we're talking about. What's the mind full of? Likes and dislikes. So we started chapter five. Was it chapter five? Yeah. Sorry. So role of role of the intellect we covered last time. Apologies. Chapter so five. We're on chapter five. Sorry. Chapter five. What is the mindful of? We said likes and dislikes. The main main thing the mind does. Hmm? Never stay in present. Desires. Minds full of desires. And desires, we said, were insatiable. You can never fulfill them. They'll always be there. And if we don't control our desires, what happens? We get more desires. And we can't fulfill the desires, what happens? Agitate. Unhappiness, agitations. That's why, and we're all looking for happiness, aren't we? Everyone looking for happiness. Whatever situation. <coughs> There's different additions, that's why. So it causes us grief and misery, that's why we want to control our desires, because we're all looking for happiness. But right now we're doing the opposite, we're fulfilling desires, thinking it'll make us happy, when actually we have to reduce the desires. We're all doing the opposite thing, isn't it? If I get this, I'll be happy. If I get that, I'll be happy. If I marry that person, I'll be happy. If I get this job, I'll be happy. When actually it should be the opposite. Let me be happy with what I have, and then I'll try to get something more. So we shouldn't based our happiness on the future, future acquisitions. So we need to do the opposite, control our desires. And for that, we need the role of the intellect to control the mind. Yeah, so this is why we're talking about the intellect. So the goal in life is to reduce our desires and ultimately to do what? Relinquish. Extinguish them all. Why do we have to extinguish them? Because the self. To reach the self. Because? That's our purpose, our goal in life. 
the, it's the desires that separate us from our true personality. The reason we're born is because of our desires. It is desires that comes between a human and God. What's the formula? God plus desires equals human being. So, extinguish, reduce your desires, extinguish them, you become your true personality, which is the spirit within you, the God principle. That's what self-realization is. See, you hear stories of the Buddha sitting under a tree for a few years, meditating. He has no, he's only has one desire, to reach that goal. No other desires, oh, what, what food am I going to eat tonight? Where am I gonna? He's sitting under the tree just meditating. That's his sole goal, purpose. So what has he done? He's reduced all his desires. He's got one last desire, which is to reach self-realization. So he sat under a tree to reach that goal. So that's, that proves that it's desires, that's the problem causes the issues for us. Is it a thing that was where he walked away from everything he had and spent years on his own? Does, does everyone know the story of the Buddha? He was a, he was a prince. He had everything and he walked away from everything. He had, um, he had a following of certain disciples and he just walked around looking for the purpose of life. And he found that when he was sitting under the tree meditating. So he gave everything up. Because he realized that there was no... Having everything and giving it up explains that there isn't that happiness in that. Otherwise he'd still be there with everything. Christ, who was just a carpenter, he walked around, he didn't have anything. You can then kind of argue that you have to walk away from everything. We're talking about the Buddha. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that how much more difficult is it to live in the world and to try and seek this out? This is why That's we're here. This is why we're learning the, the subject. So that we can apply it in our everyday life. We're we're not in the we're in a different era now. You know, we have everything at our fingertips. Before it was different. We can go to the supermarket and buy anything. Before it wasn't like that. So it's it's a different uh, situation. Um, but talking about the Buddha, we're trying to explain the point that he had everything, but he gave up everything to reach that one goal. So that hence desires is the element that we need to give up. This is the point we're trying to make. And in all the religions, we explain that desires is what is regarded, they call Satan in Christianity, Shaitan in Islam, Mara in Buddhism, Asura in Hinduism. This all means desires. So the more you encourage desires, the further it takes you away from your true personality. And the only way we can reduce our desires is by de understanding, developing our intellect, so we can control the desires which manifest in the mind. India? Correct? That's why in the Gita, it, the three yogas are given. They're designed to reduce and offload your worldly desires by replacing your river 
higher desire of self-realization. So you've got that goal of self-realization as your desire, then none of the other desires matter. That is your purpose. So the three yogas, service, knowledge and devotion, karma, jnanam, bhakti, those three you practice and you reduce your desires. It's all given to us, but we don't recognize it. We don't understand it, that's why. But that's what's given in the Gita. So we have to cross the obstacle of desires to reach God. This is our purpose. Actually, ultimately, once you gain the higher knowledge, you read, read the Gita, um, any high scriptures, you actually, and, and even if you read um, the lives of self-realized souls, what they actually tell you, this is hard to understand for us, but what they actually tell you is that just like the dream is a fragment of your mind's imagination, this world is also the same. It's an illusion. But because we're in it, we don't understand that. It's difficult for us to understand that. When you wake up from a dream, in, in the waking world, you understand, I had a dream. And you knew it was a mind's imagination. Correct? But here, we, we can't do that because there isn't, we don't wake, we're not waking up from this state. But ultimately, if you read the accounts of self-realized people, they actually say this is also an illusion, another, another state similar to the dream. But because we're in it, we can't understand it. But anyway, so ultimately this is an illusion, they're saying. But we can't identify with that. But if you do, it's a different matter altogether, isn't it? Nothing will affect you. But this is why we need this knowledge. So what keeps us in this illusion then? If let's say we, say we read the accounts of self-realized souls and they say this illusion, what is keeping us in this illusion? Desires. Our ignorance. Our ignorance of our true personality. That we are the spirit the self, Atman, which is what we're doing here. We're gaining this knowledge so we can ultimately come to that state, conclusion. We are not this body-mind intellect, we are the spirit, the self. This is what we're learning. So studying this subject, we remove some of that ignorance. There's an aspect though, isn't it, that says that we can't contemplate, perceive, feel, see, think of the self. That's right. So, we can only then see the waking state, which is what we perceive, feel, get affected by. So, that, again, it's that thing about how can you... I can understand that it's my ignorance but then how can I gain knowledge about something that I can't understand, contemplate, see, feel, or think of? It's almost like, what, what am I, if I'm, if I'm 
never going, if I'm always going to be ignorant, because I can't perceive it in the waking state, mm -hmm. then what is it that I'm working towards? Because when you're saying gain the knowledge, mm -hmm. I'm gaining the knowledge, but... Is it bringing you happiness? Yeah, so gaining knowledge about becoming a better human being is actually what I'm thinking. Why? This is for. Because it is making me happier. Mm. So then you have to have faith that this will lead me to that goal. Right, so it's the faith aspect. Yeah. See, you have to have faith, which we're going to cover today, but you have to have faith that this is going to, this, gaining this knowledge is going to take me to this goal. All the, what all the scriptures are telling me, I have faith that they know what they're saying. So let me try it. Let me pursue that path. Not everyone can do it, because most people are caught up in their desires in the world. But... Absolutely. But there is something within you, that spirit calling you, See, it depends on how much desires you have, but there is that spirit within you, in everyone. It depends how strong that spirit, how strong, and it's covered by desires, as we said before. So it depends how strong it is within you. You can't get, you know, this class is 12 people or 15 people. You know, everyone knew the truths of life and wanted to know the truth of life, and that spirit within them had a stronger call in this class, there wouldn't be enough space. But it's because desires, everyone's desires are much greater than that spirit manifestation. And that's why we're learning this subject. It's not for everyone. So faith. We need faith that this knowledge will make us happy. If we just have faith for that this knowledge will make me happy, that's sufficient to start the journey. Because ultimately you identify with happiness. You can't identify the self, the spirit, or self-realization. So your main goal is, I want to be happy. Okay, this knowledge is making me happy. So that's a start. Then that faith will slowly grow as you get more knowledge to say, okay, I understand what the scriptures are saying. Let me uh, develop myself more, find out further, go further down the path. This is how it works. You know, it's like that uh, uh, scenario of the headlights. You want to go, you leave in the night from here to, you want to go to, I don't know, Birmingham. Can you see Birmingham from here when you start off on the M M1? You can't see Birmingham. Your headlights can only show you maybe 50 meters. Yeah, But you know that this road will lead me to Birmingham. Ultimately, that 50 meters that the headlight illuminates will continue to illuminate all the way up to Birmingham. So you have faith that this road will take me there. Similarly, you have faith that this knowledge will take me to my goal. And that's how it works. So you have to have faith. So the studying this knowledge removes our ignorance by teaching us about our true personality, Anita. So the, uh, that's uh, a basic recap of what we've covered so far. Um, 
We're at the chapter of result, I think, of non-thinking, correct? Result of non-thinking. Last time we covered role of the intellect. Okay. Result of non-thinking. So we said we can become conditioned by our environment that we're born in. Why are we the person we are? We're conditioned by the environment. We were born in England. So you're conditioned by the laws and rules of the UK. If you're born in a different country, you'd be conditioned by the, that, that country. So we're conditioned by everything. Our education, our family, our homes, our friends the environment that we're born in. But we, and we accept this as being normal. This is normal. Everything else is not normal. We accept whatever our peers, society, whatever they've adopted, we have accepted. Now the reason what we're, talking, what we're saying here is that we haven't actually thought about it ourselves. We've just accepted it. There's no reason of thinking, is this right? Remember we talked about the two babies, that was the last thing we covered swapped at birth, one born in a Muslim parents, one born to a Christian parents, and they're swapped. When, they're, when they're, they're both brought up in that faith, opposite to the faith they were born in, but when they're older, they're, they've got such strong beliefs in that faith because they've been conditioned by their parents, that you tell them, actually, you're not a Christian, you're a Muslim, is he going to change his belief? He's not, is he? So that's the conditioning we're talking about. Because we don't think for ourselves, we just believe everything our elders tell us. You cannot get them to change when they're older. They believe they're following the right religion. So they're conditioned by the family's belief. We're not saying it's wrong, but this is how it, it's just to prove a point that we're so conditioned. See, if you analyze your own belief system, your personality, is conditioned by your upbringing. I'm a Hindu. Why? Why are you a Hindu? I'm not saying it's wrong, but why are you a Hindu? I'm a vegetarian. Why? I pray every morning. Why? We're not saying it's wrong, but do we question anything? Because I've been praying since I was a young child. My parents told me I should pray every morning. My family never ate meat, so I don't eat meat. Or vice versa. You know, I'm a meat eater because I was born in a family that ate meat. But we don't question if it's right for us. This is what we're saying. We should be questioning. So there's no thought process thinking behind all the things we do. If you analyze everything that you're doing now, how much of thought has gone behind those actions, your belief systems. See, in our classroom here, most of us are good human beings, there's nothing wrong. Yeah? But if you expand that, there's all these extreme situations that's happening now. Yeah? It's because of wrong belief system, no thinking. This terrorism, the Sri Lanka, 350 people died. Somebody said, you must go and do this, because religion says so. He said, okay, fine. He hasn't thought about, is this right action or wrong action? Someone has told him to do suicide bomb. He's gone and bombed 
a church without thinking. So this is the extreme situation of what happens when you don't think for yourself. Own lack of thinking and application to our life. So we surrender to gurus and religious leaders for direction. We don't know what their motives are. Do we have a question? Guruji said this, Guruji said that. I'm not saying it's wrong. You may be right. But have we thought about it or have we just followed the instructions blindly? This is what they're saying. You know, so in in uh, there's so many like uh, stories of you know uh, these uh, spiritual people. They do some magic or uh, read Sanskrit verses, wear orange robes, shave their head, and we bow down to them because they represent spiritual. We think so. That's why we, we surrender to fanatic faith. We don't think. There's a saying, there are more fake gurus in the world than there are stars in the sky. <laughs> yes? So we're not saying they're wrong. What we're saying is that, is it right for us? We have to think without blindly believing. This is the point we're making. We're not criticizing or, you know, even here I'm talking now. You can't take it for granted what I'm saying. You have to think about it. If it makes sense to you, you experiment with it. If it makes sense, it makes a difference in your life, then you adopt it. This is independent thinking. That's what we're saying. You, know, you can't go out and say, this is what I learned, so therefore this is true. You have to think about it. See, because if you think about it, and it makes sense to you, the chances of you following it are much greater. Because you're believing, yes, this is right. I've tried it. It works. This is why we're saying it. William Drummond, um, an English poet, he says, He who cannot think is a fool. He who will not is a bigot. He who dare not is a slave. So we have to decide who we want to be. We have all been given this you know, the intellect to think. So why shouldn't we? Why not use it? This is the point we're trying to make. Why do you want to do, let others do the thinking for you? So that's why we need to develop our intellect. Don't sell your personality to anyone. What's the difference between you and them? What's the difference? A guru, for example, what is the difference between you and them? As higher knowledge. So the only difference between you and the guru is knowledge, isn't it? He doesn't have six arms or two heads or anything like that, does he? The only difference is he has more knowledge than you. So you can gain knowledge as well. This is what we're saying. Nothing's stopping us. So there's no reason to sell our personality to them. We can gain the knowledge and use it and apply it. This is the point we're making. So what stops us from thinking? Strong mind. Strong mind, yep. One of the reasons. 
What else? What stops us from thinking? Influence from outside. You should be like this. You should wear these clothes. You should be six foot tall. You should, you know, everyone's, everything's dictated to us. We're not able to think independently. And also, most people are judged by the level of education, their external behavior, the house he lives in, the car he drives. We spend a lot of time in developing these skills, accumulating knowledge from external sources. When we, we should be able to think within ourselves and develop ourselves and not rely just on external knowledge. The knowledge should be taken in, like you said, thought about and then applied in your life. Not just accept everything that you're taught. So because we're not familiar with the intellect, we're not, we don't think that we have this capability, that's why we don't do it. It's not taught us in schools how to develop the intellect. We don't recognize the importance of this. If you develop your own thinking capacity, then you can think clearly, correctly, and then conduct your lives. Knowledge will only give you, in schools, universities, outside what knowledge we get, is only on a particular subject, not on how to conduct our lives. They tell you how to live your life, but we need to learn to live it ourselves. Another, another important uh, reason why we stops us from learning, what, is, what do you think that might be? The thinking for ourselves. We know it already. Do you know it already? So. <laughs> we think we already know everything. And this stops us from learning. We think we already know it. See, when, when, when we think we already know it, our shutters are down. We're not able to absorb any knowledge. And we don't know it all. Yeah. But this is what we're talking about. No one teaches us about us. <laughs> this is what we're learning. No one teaches about us how, we, how to analyze our personality. We all think we're perfect. We know everything, we're perfect. Isn't it? All of us. This is the problem in society. But that stops us from learning. We don't know, we're, we're all very ignorant actually. But this is what we're learning here. Our we're understanding it in this classroom, even if you understand how ignorance, well, how much ignorance we, are, we have. That's a start, <laughs> as Josh Navin just said. That's a start for us to start learning. I actually don't know. See, there's a saying, the trouble with most folks is not so much their ignorance as they're knowing so many things which ain't so. We believe it's, this is how it is when we don't actually know. Because we've not thought about it. We've just read it or seen it on the internet. And we believe it. What's up, group? It must be true. We haven't thought about it. Go on and check. Is it true? <laughs> but we stake our life on it. 
this person sent it to me. I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much fake news around now. I mean, elections are lost and won with fake news these days. <laughs> what do we believe? There's even more reason for us to think for ourselves now, isn't it? We can't even believe what, we, what the information we're getting now. That's why it's important. If we already think we know it, then we don't take in fresh information. The only way to take fresh information is to go and find it yourself. So we have to start developing intellect by questioning and thinking, understanding the truths of life, and then applying it to our own lives. This will not only allow us to live a better life, but it will bring peace and happiness in the world. Whatever makes sense to you, as long as you have thought about it, you then apply it in your life. Then you're now thinking. How, what's the correct way of learning, the main principle of learning? How can we understand things better? What's the correct way of learning? Huh? Open mind. Open mind, yep. Practicing. Applying it, absolutely applying it. We can only learn if from the saying is that we can only learn from the known to the unknown. We can only go from the known to the unknown. So, for example, in this classroom, if we ask, who made this world? What would you reply? What would your answer be? Amar, what would your answer be? Who made this world? <laughs> who made this world? What would your answer be? Hmm? God, Brahman. Okay. So we we all agree we we're saying God made this world then. But ultimately, whatever word they use, it means God. Yeah. God made this world. Now, is that an answer? We don't know who God is. So how does how does an unknown? If we don't know the answer, how can that an unknown answer the unknown? Forget faith at the moment. Okay. We ask, who made this world? And you say, God. How does that help anyone? Okay, I'll just say, okay, God made this world. God made you. Let's call it the end of the class. How does that help? We don't know who God is. How does that help us? So then we say, who is God? Okay, God made this world. Who is this God? This is what we question. All the scriptures we, we read, we follow the gurus. They, what they're telling us is who this God is, isn't it? So they're giving us definitions of God. His infinite mercy, his infinite love, his infinite power, and there are many other names given to describe God. We're talking about God here, man. Well, you don't know God? They'll say that to you. You're ignorant fellow, you don't know who God is. Hey everyone, this guy doesn't know who God is. We can't comprehend infinity, infinite mercy, infinite love. We don't know what that means. The brain can't handle infinity. Doesn't understand it. How does that help us then?
So we're given definitions to describe the unknown with unknown definitions. So how does that help to understand that, Anita? True or not? But because we don't think, in our ignorance, we accept these factors to describe God and we surrender ourselves to these religious bodies who believe they know who God is. I'm not saying they do or they don't, yeah? Now all the problems in the world, where do they originate from? My God is different from your God. My God said, I must kill you. Your God says, I must kill these people. All from the unknown God. We're not going into who made it. But we're just analyzing all these troubles in the world. Where do they originate from? From this unknown entity. Isn't it? And we don't know what this is. And we kill and we commit all sorts of atrocities on, on that name, the unknown name. Just think about it. This is the reason for all the problems in the world. And then there's a group of people who think and they come to understand they don't know what God is. And due to lack of guidance, they give up the pursuit of God. I don't believe in God. It's better not to believe in God than believe something you don't understand, isn't it? Until you come to understand it, at least. There'll be less trouble in the world if people didn't believe in God, if you think about it. So this is why we're learning this, so we find out for ourselves who God is. It's written there. What the scripture in the scriptures, but we have to understand it. You have to think, read it, think about it, and come to your own conclusion of what God is, because trust me, that conclusion will be no different from anybody else's conclusion. True or not? Then you follow that. He said, "God is so and so, therefore I must." He said, "I must do this because God said so." You start doing, believing it, you start doing it, practicing it, without thinking, why am I doing it? How does it help me? How does it make me more spiritual? How does it make me closer to God? We don't know. So what we're saying is, look at everything you're practicing, look at everything you're doing, think about it. Then if you carry on doing it, there's nothing wrong with it. But at least you've thought about it. If it makes sense to you, carry on. If it doesn't, then you ask, why am I doing it? This is true thinking. This is now you living your life as a human being. Come to your own conclusion. You don't need to follow anyone. This is the point we're saying. See, ultimately, what do all religions say? What do all religions say, Sandhya? What do our religions say? Be a good human being. Find your true personality. That's all they're saying. It's not difficult to be a good human being. 
the main principle in being a good human being. Opposite of selfishness. Unselfishness. Just become unselfish, you're being spiritual. That's all you have to do. Even if you understand what we have studied so far, it is more than what most religious people know. What we've studied so far, how many classes we've had, it's more than a lot of religious people know. You have enough knowledge. Next, any questions? So, that topic means that the result of non-thinking has created so much problems in the world, so you must think, so, there are not, so you don't create more problems in the world and in your own life. Think of everything that you do. That's all they're saying in that particular topic. Think for yourself, that's all. Don't believe anything just because someone says so. Bella, think for yourself. Your husband tells you something, think, okay, he's right, now I do it. You don't know what everyone's motives are. Yeah? You don't know what people's motives are. Huh? <laughs> so, the next topic is role of faith. We talked about faith, so you put that. Faith plays an important role in life, but it's not blind faith. What is faith? Okay, do we? Do, who? Who? We, shall we, can we say that everyone has faith? Hmm? Everyone has faith. So faith. Everyone has faith. Shall I tell you why? You sit in a plane, Sunil. You have faith that a pilot has a training on how to fly a plane, no? You have faith in that pilot. You, so, you see a doctor, you know he has been to a medical school, especially in this country. You'd hope he'd been to a medical school. <laughs> yeah. You get into Uber. You have faith that driver's going to take me to my destination. You go to a restaurant, you don't know who's preparing the food. You have faith, I'm not going to get food poisoning in this restaurant. Everything we do is based on faith in our lives. You get a job, you have faith that this job will, they treat me right, my boss will be a good person, colleagues will be good. You have faith that I will be happy here, otherwise you wouldn't do it. You get married, you have faith that I'll be able to spend my life with this person for the rest of my life, with this partner I've chosen. We all live everything, our whole lives is lived on faith. Anita? True. But not blind faith. We, can't, we shouldn't be based, basing our faith on blind faith. As humans, we can't live without faith. Now, the definition of faith in, in Sanskrit is Shraddha. There is a difference between faith and Shraddha. If you ask somebody what does faith, uh, what does Shraddha mean, they will tell you it means faith. But there is a difference between faith and Shraddha. 
Does anyone know what the difference is? We have covered it before. We read uh, the um, definition of faith, didn't we? Has anyone uh, still you got it in there? No, in the book. It's in the book. Can you just uh, read out the definition of faith? There's two definitions of faith. One by the Christian mystic Joel Goldsmith and the other by Bengali poet of India, Rabrinath Tagore. Goldsmith defines faith as a belief in a thing I do not know until I come to know what I believe in. And Tagore, Rabindranath Tagore says, Faith is the bird that feels the light and sings while the dawn is still dark. Faith is the bird that feels the light and sings while the dawn is still dark. He knows that it's going to get, he has faith that it will become dawn. That's why he's singing, he's ready, to, he understands. Similarly, with spirituality, we need to have faith. As Settle as, uh, asked, how do we know that this is true? We have to have faith. So, what is the difference between Shraddha and faith? Wisdom. Faith, the mind starts with faith. Okay, I believe in this. We say don't have blind faith. Shraddha, the difference between faith and Shraddha is that Shraddha converts faith into wisdom. It takes you to the end of your goal. With Shraddha, the intellect is involved. With faith, it's just the mind. I believe, okay, I believe this person. I have faith in this person. But once again, once you think about it, you convert it into Shraddha. Then you have wisdom. I believe this. I'm going to practice this. I'm going to take it to the end. That's the difference between faith and Shraddha. Shraddha allows you to reflect and convert that knowledge into wisdom. Only then you will believe in it. Only then you will practice it. Only then you will incorporate it in your life. And you need Shraddha to reach that goal. I have Shraddha that this spirit within me, I have Shraddha that I can reach that. If you have faith, then you don't have the wisdom to actually go on that path. It's a, you have to think about it. You can say the faith is mind-led. Shraddha, the intellect is involved. Only when the intellect is involved, you will actually practice it. You will actually follow it. See, you have, if you have faith, then you haven't thought about it. It could be blind faith. Any clarifications on faith and Shuddha, Sandhya? Does that make sense? Any additions there? It's a difficult one to um, describe. Does, does everyone understand that? Faith and Shuddha. 
So we need to all have shadda. Faith is not enough. Come. So I hear. I see a question coming up. <laughs> so if, if your intellect hasn't been developed, mm-hmm. and your personality is that you're just more mind-led, does that mean that I have faith, but I will never have shraddha? Not until I think about what I'm practicing. How will me praying every morning? I have faith that I should pray, uh, that um, my prayers help me. How does it help me? You have to think about it. Is it making me un- unselfish? Is it making me identify with every with um, is, is is it with my um, neighbours? Is it helping me um, become a better human being? See if you f- if you feel pra- practicing this uh, then is helping me become a better human being, then you have shraddha that this is taking me to, it's helping me develop. Having just faith is not sufficient. You will not change as a person with just faith. So the original question that I asked you before mm-hmm. about when I'm thinking that I have faith in something that I can't comprehend, see, feel, or think. Mm-hmm. How will Shraddha help that? Because, sorry, did you have something to say? Um, no, I just wanted to clarify. Please. So, um, so is, with, with Shraddha, is that when faith has an end result and you can actually see what's happening and that's why you continue to do it? Because with the faith, obviously, if you're doing something, you don't know if it's helping or not. See, the difference here is blind faith. Yeah, What we're talking about is blind faith. Faith leads to shraddha because you start believing what you're, you start actually understanding what you're believing in and you can see the difference within you that faith is making. Blind faith will not have that effect. The effect is, does this belief, me having faith in this, is it helping me change? It says it should do this. Is it doing this to me? If it's not helping you change, then it's blind faith. If it's helping you change, then that is wisdom. Shraddha, because you're applying what you've had faith in. Questioning. You Questioning everything. Questioning the faith, and when you do get a clear answer, that, that turns into Shraddha. Then it turns to Shraddha. You're just following blindly, without thinking. Shraddha uses the intellect to understand what my faith is how it is going to change me, how it's going to help me, then you apply it. Then it becomes Shraddha, then nothing will stop you. Once you have Shraddha, nothing stops you. But faith, you will, okay, today I don't believe in this, I think I'll believe in something else. Shraddha allows you to reflect and convert that knowledge, that faith, into wisdom, where you start acting on it. Only wisdom will make it part of your life. Only wisdom will allow you to incorporate in your life. And for that, for you to reach your goal, you need that. These are all quite terse topics, something that we don't come across every day, but we, it needs thinking about. That's where the morning study comes in. You, know, you think about it, then it becomes more clearer.
Does that help you? Is that a question? I can't give you a clear answer. I know the question, answer you're looking for, I can't give you. Because yeah, it has to be... Sorry, you had faith in that class. Now you've been coming here a long time. She still doesn't have faith. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, if I say you should develop your intellect by studying in the morning, okay, you believe it, but you haven't practiced it. Okay, so therefore, it hasn't converted into wisdom yet. You believe, yes, I need to do this. You have faith, yes, it says in the scriptures that I must study in the morning and develop my intellect. But until you actually do it and you see your intellect developing, and you think, wow, I'm making decisions that I never thought possible. Now you have Shraddha. I will study every morning and develop my intellect more because you know what? It works. Until then, it's just faith. Yeah, I'm sure it works. <laughs> yeah. Only Shraddha will change your path. This is the point. When you, when you study in the morning and you develop your intellect and you find the results, then you have Shraddha and you will do it more. The bird sings, the bird knows that light is coming up. Yes, Shraddha, faith, the light, the dawn will come. I say to you, fast for 30 days and there will be no more atrocities in the world. You go and do it. That's blind faith. You haven't thought about it. You've just gone and done it. How does that help? It doesn't help, it doesn't help you. You're hungry for 30 days. And how does it help the world? It doesn't help the world in any way. There's no correlation to it. You haven't thought about it, but people do it. Any questions on faith and shraddha. You have to read about it, think about it in order to get the true message of it. I can only give you snippets of what it means, you know, but you have to do the work and think about it. There's no word for shraddha in the English language. There's no word for faith in the Sanskrit language. That's the closest definitions.
So the next topic is objectivity in life. What is objectivity? This is an interesting topic. You, you think about this one, and this will definitely help you change your life. Objectivity in life. What is objectivity? Okay, the uh, def definition, Vedanta definition of objectivity is the intellect's control over the mind. Yeah. But what we're saying is that seeing things for what they are, being aware of life, being aware of how the world functions, the way you function, the way your body, mind, intellect function, this is objectivity. You have your... Ravi? Me and you, we don't have any hair. Okay? We're objective that we're not going to grow hair, correct? If we have... If we think that one day we will grow hair, then we're not being objective, are we? Okay? This is objectivity. Seeing things for what they are. Huh? <laughs> even Shad, even Shad does not going to help us. <laughs> See, if you're objective, you can deal with all of life's problems. Okay. Hmm? We, if we have objectivity, now it's no point worrying about things that we, we can't control. We, we have to accept things for what they are. This is what we're saying here. If I'm agitated that one day I will, yeah, it's never going to happen. I'll just be constantly agitated. If you're objective, you can deal with all of life's problems, whatever is thrown at you. Whatever happens to you, any ups and downs you can deal with if you're objective. How does that help? How does being objective help? Hmm. You think about it before you do anything. The opposite of that, we don't think about it. The mind just takes, takes you wherever it wants to take you. And that's the, what causes the problem, because the mind is full of likes and dislikes, worries and anxieties. So being objective, you're thought about your action before you do it. You accept life for what it is. To break away from the mind's attachment and involvement in the world, its original thinking. We need to break away from the herd instinct, spiritually and physically. So basically what we're saying is, being objective is thinking about things for yourself. Once again, we're on the same topic, thinking. Do not accept anything in life unless you have examined it by your own logic and reason. Then if it makes sense to you, then you accept it. If not, you reject it, regardless of which authority or how many people in society follow it. Doesn't matter how many followers on Instagram or Facebook. You think about it before you follow it. That's being objective. Do not sell your personality to preachers and elders. This doesn't mean you reject their views or disrespect them. It means whatever they say, you put it through your own logic and understanding. If it makes sense to you, follow it. If not, you reject it. This is what we're saying. Doesn't mean don't follow what your parents say. Think about what they're saying. This is objectivity. See, we follow our elders. Where did they learn from? From their parents. 
Where did they learn from? From their parents. Who's thought about anything? <laughs> so don't follow the herd. Think about anything. Think about whatever you decide to do. You may follow it afterwards. That's fine. For whatever reason. So when you become objective in life, become aware of things, how they function, you're less affected by life's ups and downs, the pairs of opposites. What's the world? The world is based on what? Pairs of opposites. Example, pairs of opposites. Anita? Night and day. You can't have day without night, can you? Heat and cold. Joy and sorrow. Honor and dishonor. This world is made of the pairs of opposites. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be the world. We have to accept this is how the world is. Correct? Do we all accept this is how the world is? So why are we upset when we're not happy? Not when we're sorrowful? Why are we... Why don't we accept that then? Why are we miserable when we're cold? If we know this is what the world is, in Sanskrit it's called dwandwas. So, hmm? so what happens? We go through the pairs of opposites in life. We go through the pairs of opposites. So objectivity is understanding these pairs of opposites. There will be profit and loss. If there's profit, there may be loss. Winter and summer. Life and death. Pleasure and pain. So if you understand that, you're objective about it, what is the result? You're happy, perfect, Bella. You're happy all the time. So why are we unhappy? Because we don't understand this. We do. We do actually know that we don't want to. So we, who's, who's responsible for our misery then? <laughs> we blame, but, but, but we blame everyone else but ourselves, don't we? It's the politician's fault. My parents' fault. See, right now you don't have the understanding, so you're affected by everything. After today you won't be affected. <laughs> have faith, convert it to Shraddha, you won't be affected. <laughs> So if you if you know birth and death, we're all gonna die. Then why are we scared of dying? Why are we affected? Because we the mind gets affected. We don't understand. We don't accept it. But if you think about it, it's true, isn't it? If you're born, you're gonna die. What's the problem? You leave, what are you leaving behind? <laughs> I think materialistic, but you know your family and. But next family. About them, your next family might even be better. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them. I have to deal with the family that I'm with now. Your next husband might be more. <laughs> someone can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, <thank you. laughs> so you, you can't get the better. You, you can't get the higher unless you give up the lower. <laughs> Don't be attached to this. 
you know. But we, see, we all, we all understand these facts, don't we? And there's nothing I've said here now that you don't already know. Correct? But why are we still affected then? No objectivity. No objectivity. There are levels, though, aren't there? So you can be objective to say, oh, it's going to rain today or tomorrow, carry an umbrella, and you're okay. But to think about obj objectivity with birth and death is so much more emotionally, emotionally and harder to... I'm giving you the extremes because we all identify with that. Yeah, if I talk about rain, some people are not affected by rain, they won't be able to identify. Birth and death, everyone identifies because everyone's going to experience it. So if you understand the extremities, then everything else is below that. This is the point. If you can deal with that, what else is left to deal with below? Everything else is taken in your stride. Well, rain's not going to bother you if you're prepared for anything. See, the mind gets affected. It's happy when it likes something, and it's unhappy when it dislikes something. You like summer, so you're happy during the season of summer. But that means you're unhappy for the other nine months. I must go away somewhere hot. So you're miserable the rest of the time. So if you understand how the world functions, you understand you can't have it your way all the time. The world is always changing, but our likes and dislikes are fixed. How can that work? The world is always changing. It's changed in our own lifetime. How much the world has changed in the 30, 40, 50 years that we have lived, 20 years, <laughs> How has the world changed so much? But we don't change. How can it happen? Then how can it work? You have to understand things will not always go how we want it to. You have to accept that in life. Ups and downs are there. Only a human has the ability to rise above the ups and downs of life by developing the intellect and then being objective. Animals conditioned by the environment are affected by whatever happens in, their, in the world because they don't have an intellect. They have to adapt to their environment. So, Casper, your dog, tomorrow he cannot wake up and say, you know, these people, the way they treat me? Same food, same walk in the park. I'm so bored. I've had enough. I'm leaving. He has no choice. You tell him to sit, he has to sit. He has to accept whatever you treat, however you treat him, isn't it? He's got no choice. But we do. This is the point we're making. Life is full of channels and challenges. It's up to us if we want to be affected or not by these challenges. The stronger the intellect, the more peaceful you become. More awareness. The more awareness you have, the more peaceful you become. Less affected you are by what goes on in the world. Weak intellect, everything that happens in the world affects you. You become a victim of your mind. So I'll finish off with a poem.
to conclude of what we've just discussed. Sandhya, you want to read? Prince of Persia. Okay. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Sandhya will read it. I'm tired now. <laughs> Once in Persia reigned a king who upon his signet ring graved a maxim true and wise which, if held before his eyes, gave him counsel at a glance, fit for every change and chance. Song words, and these are they. Even this shall pass away. This king, he had a ring. And on it, they had written on there, even this shall pass away. Yeah? Everyone clear? That's all he had, a ring. Trains of camels through the sand brought him gems from Samarkand. Fleets of galleys through the seas brought him pearls to match with these. But he counted not his gain, treasures of the mine or main. What is wealth, the king would say, even this shall pass away. Mid the revels of his court, at the zenith of his sport, when the palms of all his guests burned with clapping at his zest, he amid his figs and wine, cried, O loving friends of mine, pleasures come but not to stay, even this shall pass away. Lady fairest ever seen was the bride he crowned his queen, pillowed on his marriage bed, softly to his soul he said, Though no bridegroom ever pressed fairer bosom to his breast, mortal flesh must come to clay. Even this shall pass away. Fighting on a furious field, once a javelin pierced his shield. Soldiers with a loud lament bore him pleading to his tent. Groaning from his tortured side, pain is hard to bear, he cried, but with patience day by day, even this shall pass away. Towering in the public square, twenty cubits in the air, rose his statue carved in stone, then the king, disguised unknown stood before his sculptured name, musing meekly, What's it, what is fame? Fame is but a slow decay, even this shall pass away. Struck with palsy, sore and old, waiting at the gates of gold, said he with his dying breath, Life is done, but what is death? Then in answer to the king fell a sunbeam on his ring, showing by a heavenly ray, even this shall pass away. So everything in life is fleeting. What are we getting attached to? Everything changes. So he had a ring, even though he's a king. All the riches, big statues. But he had that he always read on the ring, even this shall pass away. Don't be attached to anything. Nothing stays forever. Nothing stays forever. Everything is changing. So we have this objectivity 
we understand how everything functions, the world, ourselves, then we're in control of our own destiny. Nothing will make us unhappy. Any questions? We can, we'll discuss this poem a little bit more next time. It, it is in the poems book. Whoever wants to read it can read it. And we will be taking up certain poems after this book. We may not take all of them, but there's some really good poems which highlights a lot of this philosophy. And it's a different way of learning. So we're going to do the poems book after this. But this particular poem um, highlights what we've just talked about. So we'll discuss it in a little bit more detail next class. Thank you.